Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. That was Al Green uh, with Take Me to the River, and that is a tune. Uh, right, and coming up next, we're going to have an interview with Philip uh, Reichenheim, who is the director of Freak Scene, the story of Dinosaur Jr. Um, and so what better way to lead into that with the title track. This is Freak Scene by Dinosaur Jr. Okay, that was Dinosaur Jr. with Freak Scene, and that is also the title of a new documentary about one of America's most influential alt-rock bands, uh, Dinosaur Jr., and that film is now available to stream on demand on Duck and Roll TV. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the film's director, Philip Reichenheim. Uh, Philip, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm at the moment in Helsinki at a film fest, having fun. It's really cold, but all good here. And you're showing Freak Scene at the film festival? Yeah, we had a finished premiere yesterday night and I was really excited. It's nice to see when really the house is full and it's young and old gathering to watch the movie. So there was a really good vibe in the audience. And I was particularly happy because after our film, uh, Hollywood legend and thriller video director, Blues Brothers, Trading Places, director John Landis, was in the same uh, stage and I just met him at the breakfast. <laughs> so it's exciting for me, like oh in Helsinki and you run into this idol of mine. So I'm really like a kid today, like happy. That is amazing. Yeah. And uh, so how's the film gone down there? Do you think uh, audience were, they would like it? Yeah, there, there was like, I mean, I was like, I watched the, I, I usually join the screenings to, you know, I always, it's a film for a big screen anyway and a good sound system. Yeah. Uh, so it's always nice to see what kind of audience comes by, you know. And I, I'm always happy when it's uh, not only our generation, like I'm 50 years now, the band is running since 85. So there were even 
you know, like 18 year old people a lot. So it's a nice thing that this music, you know, that people can, other generations can test out the film and, you know, get infos about this time. So it was really nice yesterday. That's great. And they have a fan base in Finland as well then. They have a big fan base as well. Like, you know, I think like uh, the Scandinavian countries as Japan or something, they, they are like, crazier fans like mid Europeans, you know, they have, I don't know, it's, it's more freak scene. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. But like, I like that anyway, you know, I'm having fun here. It's cool. Excellent. Well, let's, let's get into the film then. Uh, do you want to start by just telling me how, how you got involved in, in making this documentary about Dinosaur Jr.? So I uh, I started with 22 years old becoming a music video director and I started with the band Atari Teenage Riot. So I was started to visit New York in the early 90s and by by my sister who was modeling in New York, uh, I met Jay at a wedding and we became immediately friends. And I was, I have to say, I'm a fan since day one, really, since the uh, first album hit Germany. So I was probably really easy to become a friend and I just like his like the band very much as a kid already so I met him we became friendly right away he liked my work so we uh, started I started doing some record covers for him I did a last dinosaur video in 97 before he kind of put the band to sleep and uh, then later he married my sister so it's kind of he became even a family member so there was an uh, entrance for me easy. And I, when I could, I would film him anyway. I started uh, my first shootings in 95 in Germany and Holland with a 16 millimeter camera. It's in the movie as well. And since that, I was, if I could, it's kind of my video autism that if I have a camera in, in my hands at a show, of course I film it. And so we were, then I got a job for their reunification uh, to do a live DVD. And when we did the bonus materials interviewing their colleagues and other bands, it was clear that I should really do a documentary and Jay was and the band was comfortable with it. So I was touring intensely with them throughout the world. And, you know, I filmed what I could when there was the possibility and it's yeah then it took quite a while to find fundings and you know partners who basically fund the post-production it wasn't easy i had like all cliches with bigger companies conference tables and but everybody had a certain way how they wanted it and i was not sure if jay would like it like that so at the end we teamed up with a german company production company called rapid eye movies who kind of imported all Asian movies into Europe in the mid-90s. And they're really specialized in music and film, and they are music lovers. So they gave me total freedom, and that's when we kind of were finishing it. Like, I finished the film, the post-production, right when the Berlin first Berlin lockdown happened. So it kind of strikes me that maybe you were probably one of the few people who could make this film, because... It seems that Jay would be, he's almost a reluctant interviewee at times. Is that, is that fair? It is fair, but there's as well a little bit sometimes I have the feeling 
uh, Jay was maybe a sweat more difficult when he was like in the mid 90s, you know, at the time. And this thing is that he he needs time to answer, you know, and when a journalist is having these unhappy 20, 30 seconds too long without a word, I can understand that people come with the next questions. And that was for Jay. People maybe didn't give him enough time to answer sometimes. So he got really fast the reputation as not answering, but he probably would have, you know. So, but he doesn't like interviews too much. I even had it not so easy, you know, even though we are like, the camera's off, we're just talking, like, you know, people would think, what? He's talking like a normal guy. <laughs> Always. He's a really funny guy. He has a lot of amazing stories. He's probably one of the funniest guys even I know. Could be a good comedian even. So it's a, it's a mix of myth and, you know, mood of the day maybe. And if people, like you said, I might have it easier to have it because he likes me, that is for sure a big plus, you know, when you talk to him and he's comfortable with the person he's you know, she, he's giving a lot of information and it's okay. Well, that's because even though you are friends and, and family, this isn't a, a a lovely picture of everything that went on. It's a real, you know, warts and all documentary. And I think Lou Barlow comes and he's very honest about, yeah. you know, he's what he calls his own negative influence on the band quite early on. Was that different? Did you have to coax that out of him or was he very happy to tell that side of the story um you know we are my intention was always everybody has its own story you know and that's why for example didn't interview them together i wanted really that they can say how they felt without feeling pressured with the other person in the room and jay and lou have their difficult past and it's somehow even understandable what happened from a human side you know when you were like Lou developed his own abilities as a singer and, you know, band leader, and it was just not clicking anymore, as he said. So when uh, when the Lou interviews were done, it was right during the reunification time, and you could tell he's really still emotional because playing with the band was new after 16 years again. And he was I was really happy that he was so honest because it explains a lot as well how what happened you know and i think everybody can understand you know when you're not good anymore you're not good what can you do you know so for me it was always uh, somehow really important to have a balance that it's not a one-dimensional opinion about it that i let them talk and tell the story that's how we did as well the base of the film uh, we called it an a side and a B-side like a record. Everything in the A-side became the documentary. And there's so much good footage that we have a B-side for bonus materials, which has a lot of funny things as well. So we kept it like fair, you know, and respectful in any moment. But we, we let them talk and all the uh, difficulties are mentioned, you know. Yeah. And even then to get Murph's side of the story as well, because, you know, he probably had less of a, an outlet to do that. You know, Lou went off and did Sebado, but it was great to hear Murph's side of the story. Again, was he quite, ha- you know, I know he found it uncomfortable to be interviewed as well, he had said in the documentary, but 
was he happy to to talk on camera yeah totally like uh it was as well really interesting when the film was done how each band member or jay he was really impressed or surprised by murph's uh you know views and how what he talked and murph was is such a communicative guy you know and he's really a sweet guy so for him it had i think uh, when we did the interviews it had as well some therapeutical ways in a way he was you know he had his demons fight fought his demons during that time as well and he lost his parents so for him talking about the past was kind of relieving a lot of stuff so like kind of solving it as well so so i was happy that you know everybody had the freedom to talk what he wanted and that gave as well basically the 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 ground skeleton of the movie you know and we filled it up then i interviewed all these other interesting characters so we would fill it up with the talk with kim thurston uh kevin henry and all these kind of people who were on the same road at that time you know so witness uh, time witnesses they are it's, you're kind of downplaying it they're more than interesting characters they it's like a who's who of 80s 90s american alt rock that's kim gordon and thurston moore from sonic youth henry rollins kevin shields from my bloody valentine bob mold frank black frank black is amazing the, yeah. the clip of him talking is is hilarious but, but how did, how did you get those interviews were they happy to talk or was it difficult to kind of nail them down uh the more uh, the more i found out that re i really should go for doing a documentary the more when, when we started to do bonus material for this 2007 live dvd of dinosaur I made the first uh, approaches to interview people in the backstages, whomever we could get, you know, who was relevant in the past or friend or who was involved, uh, even met Dylan did videos. So I would like kind of met the people, was excited because I listened, that was my youth, the whole music scene as well. So I would meet them and ask them and they were all really psyched about it. And they are still, everybody, Jay doesn't really have enemies or anything, you know. Uh, people really respect him and like him and the music. So it was kind of easy. Everybody li liked to do it, you know. So there was no problems doing that. Yeah, because I think that's one thing that comes across from everybody. It's not, it's about how much they liked him, but also what an influence that band had on, you know, so much music that came after them because, you know, while they found success maybe in the early 90s, they were around in the 80s and kind of really helped define a lot of the, the big sound that, you know, became successful with grunge and the, the rest of alt-rock in the 90s. So you totally. think that... In I think the bands, like, Jay was as well basically influenced by all the people I interviewed. So it's a give and take in a, in a really cool way. You know, it was just somehow uh, the 80s were a really fruitful time for rock and roll, I say, I would say, you know, in terms of there were so many uh, subgenres defining. There was all of the sudden great hip hop music. There was metal. There was then this weird mixture of punk and hard rock. 
which kind of maybe became grunge or whatever you want to uh, define it. So I think they were all inspiring each other and it had a great impact that they all, you know, were there at the same time and everybody could look over the other shoulder and probably got an inspiration in some direction. So I think all people involved are somehow really connected as well musically in a weird way, you know, in terms of volume, frequencies, noise, and, you know, a certain excitement you get from loud music. All the footage you have from that time in the 80s, and I know you said you started filming them in around the 90s, but they they have a lot of footage of themselves even playing playing in high school, right? Where... Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, the time was already in the mid-early 80s, uh, the first consumer cameras were on the market. And for example, uh, the, the high school thing, this cable station thing was the cable, free cable TV show, uh, and I got like in contact with really video archiving specialists from uh, from the Massachusetts scene. There's one guy who kept every show archived, every every happening of dinosaur, and collected old video footage. His name is Greg Dalton K. And we teamed up, or he contacted me. We run into each other. And I was collecting from, from Sonic Youth archive some stuff. Lee Ronaldo at some point opened his archive for me and gave me this amazing footage when they're touring with Sonic Youth, like which always gives me goosebumps, you know, like the young dinos on tour with Sonic Youth. And it was so cool of Lee to do that. And uh, the other guy, Greg, he has just like, he was like so specialist that he would really go from the generations of copies. He, the closer he got to the master, the happier he was. So it was kind of crazy a micro find a microcosmos like that, you know. And uh, so we collected together, kind of during that time, a real dinosaur junior archive got together, com compressed, and then we even found the original footage and the guy who shot it when Jay and Lou attack each other on stage in Connecticut in 87, which was crazy to, to get, you know, like as well, the guy Greg helped me finding it with his kind of professor way. Like I, this is the master. I have first generation copy of the master. And it was so interesting and fun. Like I felt a little bit sometimes like Columbo or like a, private investigator or something researching as well for the photo credits and stuff like it's like really a microcosmos of itself yeah it really is I and mean, i just i can't imagine the post-production process must have been intense because you have so much different footage from photographs to all these different videos and you piece them together so, so well to tell the story it's I think I had like the ground footage to work with what hundreds thousand photos and 600 hours of footage from 85 till now. And as I said, I filmed like crazy as well. Like there was like, 
you cannot see everything, but we will make an extended version of bonus material and stuff soon as well. So it was quite, I sometimes felt really when I started was like climbing the Mount Everest of footage. And, but I didn't, you know, I was so psyched to get a funding to do it. So I was just, no, I just jumped into it. And I, it felt like sometimes when you swim in out in the ocean and you swim out too far to go back, you know, like, so I just, it was a little bit lonesome month, but it was worth it, everything. I was just so into, dived into it. Amazing. And I had my production, my producers are amazing. They, you know, it happens sometimes that you don't see the forest because there are too many trees, you know. So he would, he's Chase H as well, Stefan Holl of Rapid Eye Movies. And he would, you know, he would help me for dramaturgic things and, you know, stuff just to stick straight to the story of the original lineup. And I think we both, uh, you know, were, I got a lot of out of that as well, of this criticism, you know, but I was never censored by anything. I was not obliged. So there was total freedom. And the band Jay, I showed Jay the ready-made film, that which was crazy for me. I went to my sister's birthday. They had a big party. Kim was there and people in the movie were guests uh, during that time, and Jay and me knew it's Judgment Day. I come in the baggage with a documentary about him. So it was kind of crazy to hand him over a version. He disappeared in his studio room. And I was during that time really sweating like crazy. It felt like you're in front of some higher power, and every mistake you could have done, you hope it's not noticed. <laughs> But then my sister came out after 50 minutes to it, like that, and that calmed me down. Little was, thumbs up. Yeah, a little thumb up after 15 minutes. And then Jay came out. He had not, he had like some ideas. Hey, why don't you take this scene as the end scene? I did that, and he was right. So it was like even like our friendship is, we always can say anything and it worked perfect. So it was no drama or no, he, he kind of liked it immediately. Okay. Like I was really happy about it. And I think we were saying earlier about that, uh, that story line that you focus on throughout is so interesting. And I think it's very different to the usual documentary that you know a band gets together and finds success together and then they start hating each other they they almost disliked each other from the off um so but quite it's quite interesting do you think that it's um was it always going to be a clash of personalities or i think kim gordon has a very interesting line where she says that it's it's just a case of men not communicating which do you think played played more into it their inability to communicate or just who they were a little bit of both uh, combined with like like you know if brothers would fight over something over the, the remote control when they watch the film or who takes more or I don't know it's like they had their own dynamic in their way like Kim is saying as well the cool thing that they're kind of a dysfunctional family you know and 
men communicating like brothers who are somehow like really partner in crimes, but hates or don't like certain things. And, you know, so I think it's a weird mixture of a lot of teenage angst things, maybe, you know, and then as well, Jay and Lou made both like really big steps beginning of the 90s when they realized what they are both capable of. And uh, as Merv said, Jay got really in speed with producing the music and arranging everything. And he felt left from Lou somehow treated unfair. So there's like this weird dynamic they both pushed. And uh, usually really the, for me, dinosaur are, kind of anti-heroes in a cool way you know they're like weird guys anyway and really unique and in their own way eccentric and so that made it really weird already at the beginning of their career you know and for me it's at the end cool that there is kind of an happy end that they're still touring they're relevant my uh, i just talked yesterday night with shay he's back in his hometown from a tour and the tours went good. There's like tons of kids coming to the shows, which makes me happy as well at the cinemas, you know, that other generations can know about this, you know, and that attention within a band created probably the amazing energy and sound as well, you know, uh, of the band. So this weird early hate and anger maybe made the band what it is, <laughs> I think. So thanks God that they reunited and there's kind of a happy end with them, yeah. that they're, they're touring. Yes, and they've uh, got new music out as well. I think they have a new album out. Yeah, they did. They had to wait as well because of the pandemic. They had, uh, this year they put a new album out and they couldn't tour it so far. So this was uh, in November the first tour for the new album. And yeah, they're all excited. And it's for, for all us, us exciting to see them tour again, you know, and they come to Europe next spring. They will hit England, London. They love the UK. So it's an ongoing thing. Uh, so Philip, uh, what are you working on next then? Um, I'm like, what I did with Dinosaur, I did with my uh, oldest friend and neighbor, Alec Empire of Atari Teenage Ride. Since we, are, we know each other since we are six, he's like basically two houses away. We grew up and he did, I basically did with computers, with video, what he did with computers in the early 90s, mid 90s. And there's a really crazy documentary about the band coming. You know, it's about the, you know, electronica, digital hardcore, rave culture as well. The band, uh, you know, wrote lyrics describing our future now. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to go back to that topic and will be really loud, but very interesting throughout the world. There will be like a lot of cool moments with police riots and like the like the band riot sounds produce riots it's kind of true so will be a different thing but different story but as well like i think it's pretty interesting to have a 90s electronica 
element now for my next thing. And I'm, I wrote a script for neo-noir, which could be shot in Berlin, like a really complicated thriller case called Shadows. And that could be after Atari. So it's like to make a feature film, it takes really long. I made already teasers and stuff. So let's see what happens. Okay, well, I look forward to seeing those films in the near future. Okay, yeah, so, and new fans, old fans, I think everybody will enjoy uh, catching up on the story of Dinosaur Jr. from their early days to where they are now, which is what you're just talking about. The film is called Freak Scene. It's the story of Dinosaur Jr. And it, thank you again, Philip, the director of the film, for joining us here on Duck and Roll. Thank uh, you so for having me. It was fun. Okay, and don't forget, you can uh, stream the film on Duck and Roll TV on demand right now.